Hey, assalamu alaikum, peace, it's Imran here. It's Friday the 27th and it's 9pm and I'm just putting the final touches to this podcast. That's the level of dedication that I have to bring you these stories. Um, now in all seriousness, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. As promised, this episode is a conversation between myself and a dear friend of mine called Tariq. Now we recorded this a couple of weeks ago and when I first approached him to do this, uh, firstly, I didn't think he'd say yes because I don't think he's spoken openly about his his personal his personal story. Um, and secondly, I thought, well, maybe I'm a little bit too close. Uh, maybe maybe he's going to pull some punches. But all credit to him, he put his heart on the table. He spoke from the heart, and he spoke about everything that I asked him to. And um, it made for it made for a fascinating conversation. Tarek is the guy whose house I got ready in to get married. So in one of the earliest episodes, I described that. I think I described his house as an end of terrace house in a not so great part of Manchester. Yeah, that's that's him. That's Tarek. Uh, Tarek was married for sixteen years. He talks about how he met his first wife, uh, the nature of that marriage. Um, and how it crumbled and eventually ended uh, quite acrimoniously. And then he talks about finding, finding love after, after being divorced and meeting his second wife, how they met, um, and the differences between the two marriages as well. And th- there's, there's so much else that we discuss. It's, it's really a fascinating 40 minutes. Just a word of caution, in my attempts to create better sounding content I bought a new mic I didn't actually learn how to use it properly hence uh, the quality of this audio isn't as good as I was as I would like it to be Uh, so just bear that in mind it is very you can it is very much listenable if that is a word Um, so do bear with it because it is very much very much worth listening to this is in conversation with DM dad and it's finding love after divorce. divorce her but for me it was a case of I couldn't continue being who I was or who I wanted to be in this relationship and as difficult as it was for all of us to go through um, 
you know, I look back now and, and it's still been very, very difficult given the the fact, you know, with the children reaching a certain particular kind of teenage sort of years and stuff like that, you know, it was not easy at all. Not easy at all. It was extremely difficult. I was very, very attached. I am very, very attached to my kids. Mm. Okay. Um, but seeing, you know, them seeing their mother go through all of this dif these difficulties and these hardships, okay, you know, in some ways it's created distance between me and the kids as well. You know, th th they want someone to look and say, you've put our mother through pain and anguish and, you've, you know, what you've done has, has kind of broken this house. And, and at the end of the day, look... Do you feel guilt? Uh, of course I do. Of course. I mean... Do you think you should? Probably not. No, I'm... Look. Should I feel guilt or not? Whether I should or shouldn't, I still do. You know, I I regret the time that I haven't spent with my kids. I regret the fact that I've caused them pain and, and, and hurt. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things, of course, you regret. You know, you never go into a marriage for it not to work out. Yeah, you, you, you go in there for it to work. You go in there for it to be a, a, a place of happiness, security, a sense of tranquility, okay? Hang on, hang on. So, so that's really interesting because that's you speaking now, right? Yeah. You got married what year? 1996, I was 22. 1996, yeah. right? Uh, you're 22. Yeah. What was your idea of what marriage was? Can you remember why you got married? Because I, I, I doubt it's to do with what you're telling me right now. No, it was very different. I started practicing Islam around the age of 18, 19. Okay, and um, I was at university here in in Bradford. It there there was a some some sort of an agenda, okay, around practicing Muslims, and you know I was off the Salafi strain. Yeah, the ethos of this particular manhaj ideology. Uh, ideology I thank you, it. thank you. Yeah, this ideology is that you know marriage is something which is highly encouraged. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're young and you you live in a promiscuous society and you know you you know it's 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 kind of there to sort of protect, protect. yourself yeah, yeah. okay yeah. and and I, and I think we all sort of fell into many of us fell into that sort of trap okay thinking that yeah as soon as university's over first thing get your job get married okay in many cases people get married in the at university and settling down and then looking for jobs and stuff like this, you know? And and um, so, you know, that for me was the kind of idealistic approach to how we should kind of, you know, reach this adulthood. Was okay. it, uh, let, let me just ask you straight, was it really about sex rather than marriage? No. It was, it was being cloaked, I think. I think it was being cloaked in this conversation around marriage, right? And But really, when we talk about protection, protection from what? Protection from... You know, following your desires. Following your desires. Yeah, yeah. And I personally think, you know, the kind of chat that went on around the guys mm. was when people are like, oh, you know, can't wait to get married, need to, need need to, get, to get married. married. Yeah, yeah, that I remember need that. Yeah. was more kind of physical, physical than it was yeah. emotional, right? Yeah, maybe there was. I would agree with that, yeah, to some extent. Um, I mean, it's difficult to say it was the only thing, but it was definitely a part of it. How do you decide who to get married to? How did you decide? You know, I, I, I kind of reached out to my older sister and said, look, um, 
I think I'm ready for marriage. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I said, look, you've got a big network of friends and stuff and, you know, other practicing sisters who you know. So, you know, approach them, have a chat with them, see if there's anyone potentially that they could recommend. So through that process, she came back and said, there is a family in, in Birmingham. Would you, would you be interested? I know her sister. She's a very good, good woman and stuff like this. And so the families met and uh, six months later, we got married. So would, you, would you classify that as an arranged? Yeah, yeah, it was totally arranged. It was arranged. Yeah. How often, how many times did you meet? We met about two or three times. Two or three? Two or three, I can't remember okay. exactly. And but we um, spoke a lot on the phone. Okay. Yeah. Were you chaperoned during the meetings? No. Okay, so you got to speak like openly and privately? Yeah, I mean, we were in the house. Um, Let me guess, doors open. Um, <laughs> honestly, I can't remember the... the <laughs> I'm, go- I, I'm I can't guessing rem- I can't remember the, the details, but it probably, probably was the case, but... I mean, there was nobody else in the room with us, and, and we, we spoke, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, what we want to do and stuff like this. And again, you know, the conversation, she was 18, she didn't really know what she wanted in life. I was 22, and I, th- I thought I had a good idea of what I wanted. Knowing what you do now, yeah. right, about what you went through, what do you think about the way you got together? I don't think we knew any better. But with hindsight, I would definitely recommend we do things in a different way. The problem is, is that the way we get together is either what we did, which is marry strangers. Yeah. Which is quite a popular way and it's been arranged, right? Not forced, but arranged. Um, or you have, you know, there's you know, basically what's normal in society, mm. which is, you know, you have what is termed a love marriage, right? You basically go out and find your own partner and that's kind of frowned upon because it's considered to kind of step over certain red lines when it comes to, you know, uh, interaction with the opposite sex, right? So what's, what's the solution? Look, there are boundaries for us. You know, we, we have to know what those boundaries are. We have to educate our children in terms of what those boundaries are so they don't overstep them. Very simple. I don't have an issue with my son coming home to me and saying, Dad, there's a girl. Or my daughter coming home and even saying, Dad, there's a boy. What I do have an issue with is my kids getting into some sort of a relationship with someone, okay, outside of marriage. What does that mean, a relationship? Because <sighs> clearly, yeah. they go to college, they go to uni, they meet people. No, I mean, friends and all of that, is, uh, it's okay, it's fine. I've got no issue with that, okay? But when it becomes something romantic, there's a problem. What's the boundary? As, as human beings, we can't really control how our, how our hearts feel about someone. It's difficult. What we can control is what actions we do, you know, in terms of if the opportunity is there to do something which is for us, okay, look, we have halal and haram, okay? Um, what we know to be clearly haram is obvious. Okay, the touching, the kissing, the sex, all of that is haram, okay, outside of marriage. In our, in our cases where we went through this sort of arrangement of, you know, there is a person here, meet them a couple of times, have a couple of chats over the phone, maybe go for a coffee, okay, 
that to some extent was probably not enough okay because we never really got the kind of intimate emotional mental connection with the person going how can you do that if you don't if you are not in, in even minor ways physically intimate with somebody else I don't think you need to be physically intimate to have an emotional connection. What do you need then? I, I think there needs to be some sort of compatibility first, right? Um, there needs to be a mental connection first. Without the mental connection, you won't have an emotional connection. So that mental connection, whether that's an intellectual level, whether that's some sort of common ground, um, similar interests, um, you know, something that that would connect the two of you so you can have some sort of a connection at the mental level okay I think that's the precursor to going down to an emotional level if you are not emotionally intelligent in the first place and now you're at the age of what you're you know, your early 20s and you're getting together with somebody that potentially is for the rest of your life is it actually realistic is it realistic for a person like that to look to form an emotional bond with somebody simply through spending time and having conversations because I, I, yeah. I can't see it I, I find it really difficult because at this age um, I think it's really difficult to know people you know knowing what I know it's really difficult to know people because ultimately and I, I refer to this all the time which is you only really know people when you travel with them do business with them and you live with them yeah right and so other than that it's all it's all kind of surface. It is, it is. But even at that surface level, there has to be some degree of connection, right? But living, the, my, my issue is this, living in a society which is open and doesn't have those boundaries, yeah. right? Is it realistic to assume that our kids are going to be able to, to stick to those, those boundaries when finding a partner, when there's so much around them that is suggesting otherwise? I mean, I would hope that their moral compass would come through on, on these sorts of matters, right? That, you know, if the, you know, if they, if they sort of bumped into someone and, you know, that bumping in went, led to a coffee and then the coffee led to going out for a movie and then going out to a movie, you would hope at some point they'd say, you know what, this is a, I, li I like this person, okay, I'm interested in pursuing something more serious and more permanent. Um, and this is where I n now need to introduce kind of the adults or the parents and I'll bring them into the fold. So that's interesting. So yeah. you just basically outlined what you see as halal dating. Um, now, you see, uh, yeah. lots of people would disagree with that. I know they would, but look, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a practical point of view, right? That, you know, I, I know my kids, I know my nephews and nieces, okay? You know, the, the minute you throw the word arranged marriage into the conversation or you say something like there's a girl or there's a boy and we want to meet the family they're not going to be interested okay so fine i get that so you've got this concept now of halal dating which from your perspective is a practical approach for people to get together and not an idealistic oh. approach so does that make it a compromise I think you, do you do you feel compromised when you suggest that yeah, I do. Would you prefer that they didn't? It's not about my preference. It's about my worries. My worry is that will they know where to say 
stop? If you believe that interaction between the sexes um, prior to marriage has very defined and some would say strict rules mm. right, around segregation, um, then the risk with that is, is that when you live in a society that doesn't generally live by those rules, that your children could end up le leading a double life. And we know that happens, mm -hmm. right? That, yeah. that kids live one way because of the way things are at home, and then when they leave home, mm. they have a completely different life. Okay, yeah. And clearly no parent wants that. But then you have the other thing which you're talking about, which is, okay, let's be practical about this. Right. Clearly they're going to meet people, clearly they're going to have feelings, clearly they want to explore those feelings. So let's give them an avenue to then doing that. That means meeting people yeah. in public, right? Or yeah. going for a coffee or going to the movies. Um, and what I think you're saying is that also has a risk because when you get emotionally involved with people, right, it can lead to you making decisions that you probably normally wouldn't when you are not in the throes of what you believe to be love, mm. right? So, what is that compromise? Where I'm very comfortable is the kind of lunch, dinner, coffee, so to speak. Yeah. That is probably the end of my uh, <laughs> <laughs> limit of what's acceptable. Um, whether that's for my sons or my daughters. Uh, no, I think it's got to be a, um, a level playing field for both gender, genders, right? Yeah. When you got married again, yeah. How did you? <laughs> how did you? Yeah. Uh, halal date. How did? Or I did you halal date? But to, come on, how did how did you guys get together? How did we get together? Um, <laughs> oh God. Um, client relationship. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, client relationship. As in, like she was. Um, she was one of my clients, yes. Well, so you basically were in a position of authority and you abused her? No, absolutely not. No, she was in the position of authority. <laughs> I got abused. <laughs> yeah, the client's always right. right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we met. Um, we met and... Um, this is in the Middle East, right? This was in Kuwait, yeah. And we had uh, um, some client meetings and uh, I just kind of, uh, she was working at a bank at the time, I was working at KPMG. Did you have designs from quite early? No, not at all. So it was like, this wasn't on your mind? No, nothing like that. Okay, fine. So, yeah. you, so you ended up having client meetings, it wasn't like, you know, love at first sight or, you know, you met her and thought, oh my God, this could be my wife or whatever. You just were basically there to meet a client. Yeah, I was there with my project team. We were working on a project. And um, I think that uh, we had some sort of chance to, because she, the, the, she was like leading the project for, for the company, for the bank. And I was leading the project for KPMG. And uh, we ended up going for a coffee and then one coffee led to another coffee. Lots of coffees. <laughs> Lots of coffees. Lots of coffees. Quite boring. Yeah. Okay, but what stage did yeah. you both, or, or did you realize? Hang on. There's something. There's there's something different here because I don't normally meet with my clients to have coffee so often. Probably about two months, two and a half months, three months. Two, maybe. That's a lot of coffee. Yeah, it was a long project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a long project. Um, and do you think she realized at the same time, or, or? 
or before maybe or, or maybe not no not at all really? not at all yeah nothing from her side at all it was i find that difficult to believe well that's what she tells me right clearly at some point yeah there's an idea that's going to be knocking around in her head which is well um, what what didn't help <laughs> was that she thought i was 55 <laughs> huh? yeah she thought Why? she thought i was 55 i i have no idea right and she she's actually a very kind of uh, a very friendly she's got a very friendly personality right and so when we're having these kind of general chats about the project and we started talking a little bit about each other oh i'm from the uk and blah 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 and she's canadian and so forth and so on so so the conversation just went um it, it stayed on that level for quite some time and then sort of out of the blue I was thinking you know what she's a sweet girl aha uh -huh. yeah yeah so so those uh, those strings or those bows to my heart were plucked and uh, that just sort of kind of I was at that level for about a month and a half I think two months so this was like month four or month five the project was over and there was still some chit chat on uh, back then it was um, Blackberry Messenger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God. Um, and then from there, we met a couple of times on a weekend. But at what, at what stage did it become an, an open conversation instead of... Just me. Yeah, just you having this yeah. conversation in your head. Because clearly then, yeah. you thinking there's potential here and that's reflecting in your behaviour. And, yeah. you know, you've been out of the, the dating scene, well, pretty much your whole life, right? And 17, 16 years of marriage. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not an expert in this area. I am. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, quite offended by so, that, if I'm honest. <laughs> no, it just, it just, I can make that assumption, yeah? You're not an expert, No, but, okay, I'm not. Okay, so yeah. now, what... Was it, were you quite clumsy in expressing what it is you wanted? No, I'm, I'm very forthright in these things. Okay, so go on, what did you do? Yeah, so I, uh, I called her and I spoke to her on the phone and I told her. Uh, what did you say? I said, I'm in love with you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I did. No. I did. Was she expecting? No, no, not so at she all. she was taken aback? Yeah, absolutely, she was taken aback, yeah. So you put your heart on the table? I did, yeah. And with the possibility that... that it was about to get thrown off the table. Were you, were you scared? Like that, that moment when you're making the call. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can imagine, right? You're plucking up the courage yeah. to do this. And you must have thought about it a lot beforehand to say, right, I'm going to make this phone call. This, I'm going to have to do this. Yeah, so, so I think there were a couple of... There were a couple of times on, on Blackberry Messenger where I mentioned that something along the lines of, I think it went from kind of, you know, you're kind of fun to be with, okay, to kind of, I do like you. you oh, know. you're a smooth operator. Yeah, yeah, so there was like this transition of the words I was using, yeah. And then eventually, I think I dropped it and I said, look up. Didn't you, wasn't there like, I like you before that? Yeah, I, I, love you. I think there was. But it was just for a short period of time because I think I got to the stage where I'd made up my mind. Okay, so I, you know, love for me is like, um, 
it's still quite abstract, you know, in terms of like deeply connecting with somebody to the extent where I think, you know, I'm in love, mm. hasn't happened. So when anybody ever talks to me about love, mm. again, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm not really personally educated about it. So what did it feel like? How did you know it was love? And not infatuation or uh -huh. emotional neediness or how do you know it was love? And so, don't just say you yeah. just know. No, you don't. But but there are moments which kind of lead to that point where you say, you just know. But it's those moments, isn't it? So those moments were like the care and the consideration that you start having for each other. So so all of these small little gestures that started happening, okay, and whether that's sort of like, you know, the kind of, um, yeah, let's let's meet up and go for lunch, okay? And we go for lunch and, you know, the, the little things that someone does, for example, like just put salt and pepper over your food for you, okay? I know, it's just bizarre, right? It's weird, okay? But it's... it's you like that? I do, I do, yeah. That would drive me nuts. No, like, it, what are you doing to my food? Okay. <laughs> Get off my food! That's why you've not experienced love. <laughs> right. Okay, fine. Right. Yeah. So the sort of things like... Being looked after. No, being well, considered. Being considered—that's the right considered. word. Yeah, when you, when you're being considered, okay, um, and and obviously, I mean, it's it's difficult for me to remember all of them, you know. But it it's it's the kind of culmination of being considered, you know, being remembered, being thought about, you know, someone, some. It's it's that kind of synergy of when you put two people together, okay. If you're a if you're a happy person today and your other half isn't, are you, is you being you being with that other person is that going to make them happy? And if it is, there's something very positive about it, right? You're going to lift that person's spirit, mm. right? And I think it's it's those sorts of things that you know, you find comfort with each other. There's a there's an you know an unlimited amount of trust between each other right it, uh, you know it's it's almost like you know I, I there isn't anything that this person would ever do to harm me and then there's that level of communication that you can you can express yourself in whatever way shape or form you want to okay uh, and the other person is very accepting of that of you just being who you are and so non-judgmental yeah no yeah, I think that's the right word. Not really judging. Um, <clears throat> so I think there are... It's very difficult to to kind of define love. And, you know, if, if for example, even if you look at uh, what Allah says in the Qur'an about the spouses being together, He never mentions the word love. He mentions muwaddatan wa rahmah. Okay? Um, rahmah being mercy. Uh -huh. Okay, being merciful with each other. Uh -huh. Okay, and Modda is uh, different people I ask translate it differently, <clears throat> but it it sort of means creating an environment of tranquility and peace. So tranquility, peace, and mercy. Yeah, and and if you're in that environment, yeah, there's a sense of security. Right, there's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of tranquility. Okay, and that, you know, that 
translates as being a loving environment. It's an environment in which love can... Blossom. I want to go back to this phone call. Yeah. Because this phone call is kind of cool. Um, so you've done this, you've put your heart on the table. Yeah. It's either going to get, you know, caressed or it's going to get splattered, right? Yeah. Um, now her response is, what, what, did you, what did you say she... What was her response? I think it started with, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you got the right number? <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, so it's awkward? It was a very awkward call. But um, I think, given that I'd figured out the personality that she was, yeah, I predicted the response I was going to get. Okay, so you were prepared? I was prepared. Uh-huh. And given that she's, um, she was also a divorcee, and she had a child as well, um, I kind of hedged my bets that there was a 75-25 percent chance she was going to say no. Why? Because of the child. Okay. Yeah. So Again, why? Why why do you think that she would be leaning towards no rather than yes in that situation? Cuz I think um given that I I mean obviously I I sort of sensed that she's a she was very close. She was very she she also lived with the parents at the time. Right. Um she wasn't looking to get married. You know, she just sort of started a career in, in Canada, um, settled down, sorry, in Kuwait, settled down, and she was she was comfortable. She was in a good place. So basically you thought she, she wouldn't want to shake things up? Yeah, I, I thought... Especially with a young child? Yeah. And, it, you know, in terms of, like, uh, the boy's father's involvement? There was Zero. Right, zero, yeah. right? I, I get what you're saying, not disrupting things. At the same time, you know, maybe there's... Kind of a desire to want kind of a male role model. From her side, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> not from no. yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from you, her you, side. You're talking about for the kid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. No, she lived with because she lived with her parents. Um, so there's think, a family structure. Yeah, there was a family structure there, and uh, my father-in-law, bless him, a uh, great guy. Um, you know, he he's very active with um, with Grace. Um, and uh, so I, I, I don't think that that was missing too much, to be honest. So what you're basically telling me is, is that despite all of the odds, mm. despite, despite her clearly not wanting to get together with anybody and concentrate on raising but not her think, child... I think the word is not thinking about not it. Not thinking about yeah. it. You turned up and rocked yeah. her world. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did indeed. Yeah. Uh, do you think she'd agree with that? Probably not. So you're married for 16 years, you wait a year, fall in love, get married again. Yeah. Uh, your first wife was from a similar heritage, cultural background? Fairly similar, yeah. Right, okay, mm. so that's basically Pakistani Punjabi, right? Um, yeah. Loosely? You, you loosely, yeah. Okay, fine. Now, you then get together with somebody who is of a different cultural background, right? Yeah. So, your your new missus is Canadian-Indian. Yeah. Yeah? Um, Gujarati. Gujarati. Yeah. Right? Which is quite different. Very. Very different, right? So, what are the challenges? What are the challenges of, of being with somebody from a different cultural background? 
No, the food's been a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> what, more veg? Yeah, a lot more. Yeah, um, the food's been a challenge. Um, it's nice though. Yeah, it is once a week. <laughs> Something different. I mean, my wife is probably one of the most organised people I've ever met. That's Gucci. Yeah, that's, that's, quite that's, a, good that's a good That's a good trade. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm, 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 my mother-in-law, she's even more organised. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, it, and what impact has that had on you? I mean, I know I've improved in my organisational skills. Yeah, I've seen right? it actually. Um, I'm definitely more conscious of time and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, it can get to the point where you say, hang on a second, just lighten up a little bit. You know, everything has to be done. You know, if, if there's a, for, for example, a plan, okay, we're going to leave home at 12, we need to be at someone's house by 12.30, you know, then from there we need to leave by three and we need to be here by four and so it will go like clockwork. I mean if we go as a big family together as in with my mother-in-law, father-in-law and, and stuff, yeah, I generally just go with the flow. Is that different to the way you were in your first marriage? Yeah, very. So effectively what it sounds like to me like you, for want of a better expression, ceded some control. No, that's not the right way to look at it. I think the right way to look at it is that um, it, well, from, from my point of view, it was always a case of me making all the decisions in the previous marriage. Right. Okay. Um, me making the choices with regards to the children, regards to going out, uh, what we're going to do, where we're going to go. Pretty much, I mean, whatever you can think of, you know, in terms of... That sounds of, to me like control. No, it, it, it wasn't through choice. Right. You know, I, I wanted it to be a partnership. Okay, you know? so you felt compelled to have to behave that way. So Okay, so it's not a case of you've changed. So this is the point. You haven't changed. Your expectations in your first marriage and your second marriage were actually quite similar. Whereas in your second marriage, you happened to be with somebody mm. who was willing to take on a level of responsibility that you actually wanted in the first place. Mm. Which does make it sound like in that regard, you haven't changed in that regard. So when I when I was twenty two, I, I I didn't really know what I was getting into, right? Okay, I didn't know what marriage was going to be like. My reference point was my mom and dad, which is everybody's. Okay, Maybe. Is, yeah, Maybe. or or the odd uncle and aunt, and that was about yeah. it, yeah. right? And so that to me was marriage. That to me is what how a husband and wife interact. And naively, I expected my wife at the time to be with me similar to how my mum is with my dad. I'm interested in what's different about you. How do you see yourself? Like what's different between you when you were married the first time and you married second time? Most definitely I'd say that I'm, I'm easier going than I used to be. That's for sure. Yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes and I think I've learned from them in how I deal with a person who's supposed to be a life partner you know so not taking them for granted yeah definitely I'd say so I'd agree with that um, more about kind of being more understanding to what the other person feels wants needs within the relationship so we're going back to emotional intelligence here you would yeah. you be more emotionally intelligent now? oh absolutely absolutely yeah I pick up the the little signs that I didn't pick up before okay what's that come from through the pain of the trauma of being divorced and self-reflecting or 
Did you, did you read stuff, watch stuff, talk to people? I'd say it was a combination of all of them, really. You know, but you were conscious of changes that needed to be made? No, I wasn't. Okay, so this is interesting. So you came out of the first marriage yeah. with the understanding that um, it was basically something that didn't work. There wasn't really much you could do about it. There wasn't much change that you needed to make. No, I, look, I know that I wasn't perfect, okay? Um, Have you held yourself to account? That's what I'm trying to work out. Yeah, so, so okay, so when I came out of the first marriage, um, I knew there were things that I were that I'd said and done which were not right, okay? And when I went into the second marriage, it was only through a lot of conversation and discussion and, and communication about some of the things I'd said and, and done, even in that relationship, at, at the early stages of that relationship, that kind of made me reflect about some of the things I'd done previously. Does that make sense? Well, I'm, yeah. try, I'm trying to make sense of it. So you're now in a second marriage and you're learning about the things that had perhaps not gone as well as you would have liked in your first marriage because of the experiences you're having in your second? One thing I realised was probably one of the triggers in the previous marriage which caused issues was the poor quality of the communication. I would, I would say things, okay, and expect that just to happen. There's a there's an expect expectation that whatever comes out of your mouth is going to be followed through, mm. okay. My old style of how I behaved in that marriage, I mean, it was only a year on, right after the old marriage into the new marriage, and and I was just couldn't understand why. Hang on a minute, you know, I did it back then. I'm doing the same thing over here, right? But I'm not getting the same sort of response. I'm getting kind of a different sort of response, a different type of response. Um, and it, it was, and then when I didn't get what I wanted, um, I went into a mood about it, okay? Um, and it was just then, after the, the whole discovery of why is all this happening, that I kind of went, you know what, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Okay, and that maybe you were a wrong element of it, it's not something that previously existed. Yeah, it didn't. I have spent the last nine years trying to unpick those parts of myself which I think are detrimental to a relationship, right? And what you're telling me is that you're learning on the job. Absolutely. So I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, no, 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 I'll take, I'll take the job on when I'm qualified. You're saying basically, fake it till you make it, right? Which, I'm, I'm only, only tongue-in-cheek, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just the two ways of doing things. It's interesting because many people have said, look, you can't be perfect before you, and I understand that. Um, but if you, I personally feel if you do have certain traits within yourself which are detrimental, yeah. then um, you know, learn to deal with them as best as possible without getting somebody else into the situation and trying to, basically exposing them to it and trying to work it out. Whereas for you, what seems to have worked is to get together with somebody who is the right fit in order for you to be able to work through your issues together. Yeah, but I never thought of them as issues. You know, I, for me, they're just personality traits and your character, right? So how does it sound? What does it sound like when I, when I, when I say they're issues? No, I, I, I think you've just put a, negative, a very negative spin on it. I'm just explaining two ways in which people behave. But certain, certain people find it easier to work through their 
issues, right? Yeah. Um, when they're with somebody else. And actually, some people say, well, that's a good thing, right? You know, that you help each other. Whereas others would say, well, work it out for yourself before you get somebody else involved. You'll fix one set of weaknesses and you'll identify another set of weaknesses and you'll keep it, you'll, you'll remain in this cycle of just trying to fix yourself and thinking that these are flaws and these are imperfections that can be perfected. No, no, no. As I said, not reaching for perfection, but just a certain base level yeah. of your emotional self that is able to accept somebody else into their life without exposing them to things which, which are potentially harmful to a relationship. Well, give me an example of what you think would be harmful. Well, I mean, let's say, you know, you're somebody who, um, who can spin into a rage. Does that, if that person is aware of this, is it not best that they go and work it out? Yeah, but you're not in that situation to work it out. But that doesn't mean you need to be in it to work out what the source of it is, because the source of it isn't... Yeah, but you see what you're doing here is that you're creating a set of problems that don't even exist. No, you're aware they exist. You're aware that in certain situations you feel insecure, and when you feel insecure you feel angry. Okay. Right? And instead of exposing yourself to that again, because mm. you know it's there, right? There's enough example, you know, examples in your life to know it's there. Uh, you then get help mm. to understand why you behave in a particular way right. when certain buttons are pressed. And so the, the idea is that I'm, I'm a huge advocate of having a personal therapist, right? Um, which is that person can help you to emotionally <coughs> navigate your life, right? So that when you do eventually, so you can rewire certain parts of yourself which are negative, not only within a relationship, but for yourself. But when you do get together with somebody, that you are just an emotionally healthy person because it's possible that you are emotionally unhealthy to the extent that it will adversely affect your future relationship. How do you define someone who is emotionally healthy and at what point do they become unhealthy? That's a subjective question for the individual <clears throat> yeah. to ask themselves. Regrets. Yeah. I've had a few. I've had loads. <laughs> I was trying to quote Sinatra then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, right, so... Right. So, okay, come on. Regrets-wise... Yeah. Knowing what you do now, what would you... Have done differently. Yeah, what would you have done differently? I think my, my, my all-time biggest regret is my time away from my children. And there is nothing I can do that's going to bring that time back obviously I don't regret marrying at all okay remarrying re remarrying yeah or even marrying the first time I don't regret that at all I have four alhamdulillah um, wonderful children I just regret that things got ugly in the divorce we was going through a financial dispute resolution okay which is basically what happens with the money and what happens with the house and all of that kind of stuff and it just so happened that a friend of mine, who's a um, solicitor, we were just chatting away, and probably the most powerful piece of advice he said to me was, um, Tariq, listen, he goes, I usually make money out of people like you, right? But because you're a friend, I'm going to tell you the one piece of advice that I don't usually give to clients. <laughs> so what is it? He said, never 
ever dispute about money and take anything away from her um, which is going to affect the children as well and so it changed my outlook in terms of you know when, when you when you've had a sort of semi-bitter divorce and and it's gotten a bit ugly along the way and when I say semi-bitter I mean but I don't I don't have any hatred towards it of course okay it was um, if anything you know it's like I feel I feel bad that I've had to put her through this this whole divorce thing okay because the relationship really struggled towards that through that latter part it got to the point where communication had completely broken down and so any form of communication usually erupted into some sort of a um, I don't know how to even describe it but it, it just spiraled out of control very very quickly and and actually this is where I have a lot of admiration for for how you did this in terms of keeping that level that keeping that relationship cordial it takes two yeah it does it does take two um, and um, and so so the, you know the piece of advice that he gave me was that you know don't you know just give her give her it just let her have it okay you know they'll hopefully God will replace what you know what you've given up and you'll there'll be some sort of self yeah you know, some some reward for it and some sort of kind of closure around the whole thing and at least the kids will be happy as well that you know their mother's got some security and you know they've got a roof over their heads and stuff like that and you know they've got a base uh, and and you know looking back that was the one thing I did wrong you know I, I should have done that very differently um, but in my in my I won't say defense but in my kind of thought processes it was a case of I'm the one who's invested here. I'm the one who's, you know, done all of this. Surely I deserve something out of it, okay? But anyway, at the end of the day, it's bricks and mortar, right? And that's replaceable, but, you know, the relationship that you have with your children, that shouldn't really suffer. that was fascinating wasn't it you see I thought I knew Tariq's story I mean he'd spoken to me about it before but something happens when you sit down in front of a mic on the premise that nothing is off the table you kind of enter into a state of vulnerability and everyone benefits I'm sure Tariq would agree that it was most likely a cathartic experience and for me as well, to hear about some of the elements of his story, which, which I hadn't before, was, was really quite humbling. Thanks for listening. As always, if you do want to get in touch with your comments or feedback or constructive criticism, I'm all for it. You can hit me up at divorcemuslimdad, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message at Instagram or Twitter at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M, at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M. Don't be shy. You probably think I'm inundated with, uh, with comments and questions, but that's not actually the case. Um, you know, I do get plenty, but there is uh, definitely room for more. And if you do get in touch, I will be sure to respond. Once again, thanks for listening. Uh, next time, I'll be talking about my divorce. 
yep, we've reached that stage after almost a year of podcasting. We've reached the actual divorce itself. So definitely tune in for that. And of course, if you do think that there's somebody who should be listening to this podcast, please do share a link. I'd really appreciate it. See you next time.